Hey there, my name is John Middick. This is a Color Pencil Podcast. I am your host. I'm so excited today to welcome to the show Sema Martin. Sema, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for taking the time to come on the show today. Really appreciate that. And thank I, you for I'm, having me. Oh, absolutely. I'm so excited to talk about this brand new book. So uh, we're going to talk about that, but I, I think it's interesting. This, this may be the most intelligent guest that I've ever had on the show. Uh, we're Go talking out. to – what's that? <laughs> I just said gosh. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking to uh, an aerospace engineer. And uh, let's see, you have your master's degree in aerospace engineering. Is that right? And you worked as a mechanical yes. engineer at – NASA Ames, so you did an internship there, right? Yes. Very, I very actually cool. have two master's degrees. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and you were working on your PhD, too, from what I understand. So that's yeah. Great. All right. So she wrote a book, though, guys, and I think, I think this is very uh, interesting. So she threw away this career and instead decided to become a pet portrait artist a commission-based artist, and so she wrote a book, Art is My Career, How to Start an Art Business. So we obviously, when we want to talk about that, you just released this book, uh, what, about a couple of weeks ago, something like that? Yes, a couple of weeks ago. On the 18th of May, it was released. Awesome. All right. So I'm guessing this wasn't a strategic plan to do this during the pandemic, right? <laughs> No, because I started writing it in December. <laughs> oh, there we go. December of 2019? Yeah. Wow, that's fast turnaround. Just kind of whip that out there real quick. Oh, it's been incredibly difficult trying yeah. to write a book alongside my commission work. <laughs> oh, I'll bet. I'll bet. Okay, so you grew up in a family. Are you an only child? How many, how many kids? Uh, how many siblings? I'm the oldest of two. Okay. And you were interested in art, but discouraged from thinking of it as a career, right? Yes. So um, I, I've always loved art. I've got loads of childhood pictures of me in a corner with a coloring book. Like, that's just how I was known. I was known as I was always coloring and I was always okay. drawing. Okay. Um, I hated reading and writing, so I hated doing my homework. <laughs> um, but private got school one helped thing me in common. a lot. Right yes. <laughs> private school <laughs> helped me a lot with um, developing a good work ethic and getting into my reading. And I didn't find out that I was dyslexic until the last year of university, oh. the last year of my master's degree. Really? So up until then, I just thought that I was slow. Um, and I just, just struggled with reading because I wasn't interested, but actually I was dyslexic. So what brought it, I'm really, just curious, what brought about that discovery? I mean, how did, how did that happen? Um, I was doing a few tests with, um, a few teachers and one of them suggested that I should have a dyslexia test because they noticed things that, I kept getting wrong and mistakes I kept making, and it was reflective of someone with dyslexia. So I had the test. Yeah. And apparently I'm severely dyslexic. So, oh, so <laughs> it was so interesting. 
Yeah, and it's like, I find it strange how I got that far without knowing, but at the right. same time, it was really comforting to find that out because yeah. I, I just felt like I'd been dumb for so long, and it's not because I'm dumb, it's just because right. my brain works differently. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's really helpful to know that. Mm-hmm. I suspect that, I probably have some dyslexia as well. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, that we won't do a show on dyslexia, but I just think that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've never yeah. been tested or anything, but okay. So that's 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 uh, that's pretty interesting. What, so so what happened after after that? I mean, so you just keep going. I'm sorry, kind of yeah. catch you off there. <laughs> that's okay. I kind of went onto a different subject um yeah so in school you're sort of told you know so what do you want to do what what do you want to do when you grow up what's your real job gonna be and you know everyone in my art class and even my parents was like oh you're really good at art but what do you want to do and it was always like an implication of you know art isn't the thing I should be choosing I should be choosing something else like it it wasn't really directly said but it was always implied by like everyone, family members. Like it's not, it's it's not like they meant to. I think it's just the society and the way we're brought up is to sort of yeah. think that things like art and music are just hobbies. Like it's great to do them and you should do them, but it's not what you should build your career from. But you had um, aspirations of becoming an artist. And when you went to the gallery, you you thought about yeah. becoming an artist. Did you express that to your parents or anyone? Um, if, if you're saying it was an implied discouragement. Yeah. Then, then no, did you? So you didn't say it and it was never shot down. I mean, I don't I don't know. I never said it because I didn't think it would be possible. So it was just something never, in your mind. Okay. Yeah, it was it was my passion. It was something that I loved, but I didn't think that it was something that I could make money of. Sure. And coming from a family like I was the first one in my family to go to university. Yeah. Both of my parents have come from war-torn countries making their life in the UK. Mm. I was the first one that had the opportunity to go to university, so I felt like I had to do something good and something important to Yeah that I could do it as well. So there was a lot of pressure on you. Yeah. <laughs> but, was, but, it was, think, but it was placed there uh, by, by yourself, mostly, probably, right? Yeah, I think it was mostly myself. And it's just one of those things of like, because I have a Turkish background, Turkish and Burmese. And okay. with Turkish families, it's it's very like, you know, you have to do this and you have to make us proud. And that kind of thing so where did you get it was very kind of private school was it it was just a small private school um I did go to a public school primary school but Uh then I would bleed a lot so I went to a public primary school and then from there I chose to go to a public secondary school um which I really loved uh I had a lot of good friends I always made friends with the teachers I didn't really have many friends friends (laughs) um but yeah, so I had a lot of good physics teachers and art teachers. I was you'd always find me in the art room at lunch times doing more art. And after school I'd stay after school till like five o'clock doing more art. Like all I would be doing is art, 
so now that I look back I realize I should have carried on doing <laughs> art like why did I stop I literally lived and breathed art but you were um, good at math right so yeah I think that's where the dyslexia came in handy <laughs> yeah um, a little disparity there uh, somewhat. I mean, uh, you're, you know, you're good at art, you love art, but you also like math. Yeah, I did. I enjoyed math because it was very logical. Yeah. Uh, I liked that there was always a right answer. I think that's what I hated about English and English lessons. Like, I hated mm -hmm. writing. There's always so much debate about it. And that's what I really liked about um, science and mm -hmm. maths is that Some there rule. is just logical explanations mm -hmm. and the rules and I think that really logically that helped me learn it better mm, um, yeah and I was also really fascinated about space um I love the feeling of I do actually quite like feeling insignificant I suppose that we're this tiny little planet in this mm -hmm. system and beyond that is the galaxy, beyond that is the universe. And I just, I loved that idea. And I loved um, learning about how the Big Bang Theory and um, <clears throat> and I was really interested in births of stars and things like that. So I started mm. playing mm. with those ideas a lot more, uh, thinking about what career I could do. Um, that's when I decided to do aerospace engineering. It's got nothing to do with space, but it had a lot of, because I was also thinking, oh, maybe I could, you know, fly planes and stuff because yeah. I like the idea of flying. I didn't really know what to do, but I guess I just picked aerospace engineering because it's, it was in aerospace engineering incorporates all the engineering. So you learn mechanical, electrical, as well as like business and other parts of engineering. So you learn everything, which is why I was drawn to it because I couldn't pick one specific type of engineering um, because I didn't know enough about them. So aerospace was really good for that because you do all parts of engineering as a degree. Um, so I really liked that. And then I went into more mechanical engineering because I liked I actually liked designing um, and drawing out the engineering <clears throat> things like that. So I went more into mechanical engineering and got a job in mechanical engineering for a few years uh, before I felt a bit bored and out of place um, because everyone was so passionate into their job. And I just didn't feel that way. Like it just felt like something was missing. So every day I'd come home from work and I'd, paint like I had started painting canvases like I had a tiny studio apartment that was filled with paintings <laughs> and paintbrushes everywhere so I was still trying to keep my passion alive because it was the only thing that I felt like I could be a part of um and then I found this um like I found my friend from Sheffield University which is where I got my master's and she was working at NASA. And I thought, oh, I've always wanted to work for NASA. It's quite difficult for a non-US resident to work for NASA. Um, so I asked her, how did you get in there? How did you get that job? And she was like, oh, I, I applied through uh, the International Space University in France. I was like, oh, fantastic. This sounds like a good opportunity. I love space. Let's try this out. Um, so. Well, my husband now, who was my boyfriend at the time, I told him about this degree and he was like, great, I'll come with you. 
Um, so we moved to France together. I got into the course and that was a year master's course. Um, and it literally teaches you everything about space from like astronomy to business to um, literally everything. And I found the most bit, the most part I found really exciting and interesting was the business part. And we were able to um, talk about or talk to startups. So some startup companies came in and talked in about how they started up and their businesses. And then I was really interested in doing like it felt possible to do a business. Um, but I didn't know what to do a business in. So I was just sort of still trying to find my feet in the industry. And then I applied to work at NASA and got in. And that was really exciting. And it was incredible being in California. I love California um, at NASA Ames Research Center. And I got to uh, do some research for a Venus um, unmanned mission, which was really fun. So I was doing oh, lots wow. of analysis. Uh, I got to also manage a small group of interns as well, even though they were they were more experienced than me because they were all from like Humford and Stanford and stuff. And I was just like, uh, okay, so I'll be in charge of you now. <laughs> um, That's really cool, though. Yeah, wow. it, it was really incredible experience. Like I yeah. would have stayed if they had offered me a place, um, probably just because I loved it so much. And yeah. after that just really trying to figure out okay so I've got all this experience under my belt what do I do now um and while I was doing my master's at the International Space University my main project was about um say taking it was about a utilization of materials and taking them and transforming them into something else like 3D printing but with lasers and oh. it was really so I decided to take that as to for um, a PhD status. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> um, I liked the idea of taking a machine to the moon and using uh -huh. the material on the moon and printing it out into materials you could use, like blocks and build houses and things like that. And so that was that's what my PhD was sort of based on. Um, but before that could start, I had no money, nothing to do uh, while waiting for this. It was, took a few months for my PhD to start. So in the meantime, I was twiddling my thumbs and drawing still. Um, and my friend asked me to draw her cat, um, which had recently passed away. And she was like, you know, I'll pay you for it. And I was like, oh, you know, I've, I've never been offered um, payment for my artwork before. So that was quite exciting and I needed the money. So I was like, great, you know, of course I'll do that for you. So I drew that and when I gave it to her, she was just like so happy. I hadn't really felt uh that fulfilled with something mm. that I'd created before for someone. And she was just yeah. so over the moon, you know, it brought tears to her eyes and it just made me feel something really different oh, and wow. special. Mm -hmm. Um I thought, you know, maybe <laughs> I could explore this and try and get to the next level while I'm waiting for my PhD to start um so I posted it on Facebook and I got a massive response from people on Facebook and I suddenly got loads of people asking me to draw their cat um and it was so in colored pencil yeah and color pencil because all I had with me was pencils at the time we'd been moving so much um I didn't always take my paints with me 
So I started to explore colour pencil um, as a really easy way of getting back into art without the messiness of paint. So, yeah. So after I posted that on Facebook, I got a massive response from people all over the world uh, asking me to draw their cats. So I had to start figuring out, okay, what are my prices going to be? You know, what should my business name be? And I started trying to think about how it could be bigger and be better for me and to create something that made me feel I guess really happy (laughs) yeah Um, did you fall back on those conversations that you had had um about starting a business and did you start thinking more about um you know that influence that you had before you yeah I I, I just wondered about that yeah yeah because when I well, when I wrote my book, I was thinking, okay, what would I have needed when I first started? What do I know now that I wish I knew then? Yeah, how many um, years ago was that then um, that you had that first commission? Just over three mm. years. Okay, okay. Yeah. So around 2017? Uh, oh, okay, I guess it's four years then. It's more like 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, very cool. What so what uh, materials, uh, you know, were you were you using specifically? So what colored pencils and what uh, surfaces were you working on back then? When I first started, I was using a small tin of Derwent drawing pencils. Okay, yeah. um, And a pad of Derwent paper. It was really soft, sort of uh, beige paper. So it wasn't the bright white I use now. I've learned quite a lot of lessons from different kinds of papers and surfaces. Um, but what then, was that paper again? I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I... It was from, it was Windsor and Newton okay. um, smooth paper, but it okay. wasn't super smooth. <laughs> okay. Okay. I use super smooth now. <laughs> okay. But, okay. Yeah. So it was just smooth Windsor and Newton a gummed pad of paper i just had an a3 paper and i would cut it to size uh, right. according to the commission um do you yeah. still use the derwent drawing pencils or did you Not incorporate others mm-hmm. i i've developed out of that now i i found that faber castle polychromos mm. and carandash illuminance and carandash pablos are my favorite combination of pencils now uh-huh. um i haven't tried the derwent light fast i've heard mixed reviews about them so but i thought i'm gonna stick to what i know and what i mm-hmm. love because it for me and it works for my style um so yes so i used the faber castle polychromos mostly i started using those after i did some research on instagram trying to figure out what other artists use So Uh I was looking up other pet portrait artists at the time and seeing what materials they use. And then I started off getting like small little sets of each Uh and figuring out how to use them myself, really. Um, I was also looking at YouTube tutorials for how to do color pencils. So uh, I really enjoy tutorials by Kirsty Partridge. She's really big on YouTube and Patreon now. And I really found her. At the time, Patreon wasn't around, but I really found her tutorials really, really useful um, because she talks about the different ways of blending things. And for someone who's never 
done anything with color pencil before uh-huh. um i found that really useful <clears throat> that i Right. Blend it with various solvents and powders and things like that. So what was the path forward that, I mean, you, you had that one commission and um, you started thinking about structuring just a little bit more, creating yeah. a business out of this. How did, how did that play out? Um, I started taking on commissions, uh, pay, people paying through PayPal. It was just like that? Yeah. Just someone messaged me on Facebook. I said, okay. They paid me. I always took payments up front. How did People you know? Happy. Yeah. How did you know what uh, the payment structure should be? I mean, how did you figure just, those things out? <laughs> okay. Okay. I didn't. I was, I was literally learning as I went. I okay. didn't have anyone telling me what to do. Right. Um, I couldn't find any research clearly telling me how I could take commissions. So I was sort of making it up as I went. Right. Someone said, draw my cat, how much is it? I say 80 pounds. They say, okay, how do I pay? Send them the PayPal link, they yeah. pay, add them to a spreadsheet, and then I draw their cat. And then well, there are, no, there are no rules. So, I mean, there's no right or wrong answer either. So, um, so that, that's interesting. As, yeah. As, as long, long as, as the what? customer what they paid for right 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 yeah so looking back then i mean when you wrote the book looking back do you feel like the the pay structure was right uh you know the the reason i'm asking and i'm hitting on this point a little bit is because i hear from um pet portrait artists that want to start taking commissions and find it incredibly difficult to start doing that um and you know we can talk about customer acquisition i know you cover that in your book uh and that's one piece of it the pricing is another piece of it um yeah quality obviously has something to do with it a lot of people don't talk about how much of that do you think has uh an influence on whether you're going to find a path forward as a commission-based artist um I was quite scared in taking the commissions, obviously, because I'd never drawn for someone that I didn't know. And they, most of my customers were from the U.S., so uh-huh. I'd never met them, and I couldn't meet them. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't get to know them like how, you know, friends and family have asked me to draw for them before. Um, so it was a very weird experience, and it was kind of scary. But I did find that if I was, if I was confident in my pricing, right. they wouldn't question. And at the time, I think I was definitely priced too low, but I didn't really know how to price my work according to my skill level and experience and where I was on the pricing range. Um, I did do some research in other art pet portrait artists and looking at what they charge. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. Um, So I was comparing my prices to other people and making sure you know i wasn't charging 20 quid i was charging 80 pounds for an a3 but now i charge 516 pounds for that but now i am a lot more experienced and my skill level is a lot better than it was three years ago and that's just what happens when you draw every day for three years it does get automatically better anyway um so I do find that researching other pet portrait artists, looking at 
I guess, their skill level, their techniques, the way they display their work, finding people that are similar to you and then looking at their pricing and their strategy of how they do things helps quite a lot to place yourself. So that's how I started in the beginning. I saw that people with like uh, thousands of followers, I only had like a hundred followers at the time, um, people with thousands of followers and incredible pieces of artwork were charging hundreds of pounds. So I thought, okay, so I'm not quite there. I'll charge less than that. And that did help me determine what I could charge. So undercut the market just a little bit until you gain enough experience and you figure out the whole um, customer relationship management and all of that, and then just keep steadily increasing the prices. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's and benchmarking against what other artists are doing, obviously. That's, yeah, I, I wouldn't say undercutting the market. I'd say more placing myself within the market of what I think my expertise and skill level would be. Yeah. When people charge twenty pounds for something, I'd say that's completely undercutting the market because obviously yeah. it's taking you a lot longer to draw that piece of artwork than twenty pounds worth. And well, that, and to me, is quite a big no-no to do yeah. that because it's just it because then they think that if they go any higher than twenty pounds, they won't get any customers, and then they're scared to be to increase their prices um and it all comes down to confidence really like yeah. you have to just try and be confident in your work and in yourself and with customer acquisition you will find customers that are willing to pay your prices like that won't be a problem there's right. plenty of people there in the world uh, someone will pay for your work yes no absolutely and i'm, I'm kind of glad you said that as well uh, because it, that there is uh, two parts to that, really. There's the the side of the artist who, if you are pricing your work well, well below whatever the market value is and whatever you perceive that to be, uh, then it is a confidence thing, and and you have an upper limit challenge in a breaking through that barrier. But then on the customer side, that customer then and that customer base, you start developing a relationship and a way of relating to um, your clients. And then if you ever want to start charging more, uh, I think you, you have a real struggle on your hands when you do that. But the other, the other thing about that is, is that I, I see artists that will they'll start wanting to uh, charge. They're scared to charge what they're, you know, what they're worth, that kind of thing. And uh, so they will price it very, very low. And then they're they're very frustrated because they're overworked, they're underpaid, yeah. and they, they never uh, can break out of that. And they're only within that circle of family and friends, and they can't figure out how to break out of that. And here's, here's really the thing that's going on with that um, is – and, and you can disagree with me if, um, if you find a different experience uh, or if you – think something different but my experience is you're you're only going to go uh so far with family and friends because yeah. they don't they don't really understand the worth of your work uh, mm. because they know you and there's just something about that once you are are you know working with family and friends there reaches a plateau with that and you've got to break 
out of that and go beyond that because they're not going to they're not going to understand that you need to charge more uh, for your work. And I've I've run into that and and it's fine. And you have to just be willing to say, um, you know, those are my prices. You know, I'm sorry. This is you know, it's a luxury item. Uh, you're not withholding food, so it's not a big deal. But how well, do you? Well, go ahead. <laughs> or that they ask for a family discount. Yeah, the family the the family discount. So yeah. <laughs> so, but how how does one do that? This this is a a, a constant question that I get from my student. So, and we, I want to talk about uh, the different paths of, um, you know, making money with your art, but I want to hit on this really quick though. How, how does a commission-based artist break past that barrier and start being able to acquire work that is outside of that sphere of influence that they have initially with family and friends? How do they do that tactically? So first, they need to really think about who are they trying to get in the first place? What is that person like? What are their hobbies? How old are they? What is their income range? All of these factors come into place when you're trying to target someone. Right. So for instance, my target customer, I'd say, is plus 40 is um I get a lot of younger customers too but most mm. of my customers are in the plus 40 range yeah um and they love cats mostly I get a lot of cat customers so I'd say my target <clears throat> customer is has cats or um they know someone with cats so it's more cat related customers so they so a person starting out really needs to think about not just who they want their dream customer to be you're not mm -hmm. going to start going going after <clears throat> celebrities and millionaires and saying, oh, right, right. like obviously you could, but a great place to start is what is realistic going to be your target customer. Mm -hmm. um, could sort of think about the customers you've already had, like your friends and family, which ones have paid the most or which ones have felt the most interested. You could sort of think about, um them in terms of creating your target customer yeah and then after that you need to think about okay so where would this customer to go where would they go to find information about commissioning a pet portrait you need well, to see try that's and the put that's the tough part right I mean, yeah. idealizing and thinking about the, um, you know, ideal customer avatar. I can understand that. And you, and you have that picture of that person in mind. Well, for you, um, it, so there's a lot of people who love cats. Uh, so the over 40 is a good demographic male or female. I'm not sure. Maybe it's both. And then, um, you're thinking of perhaps an income range or at least a socioeconomic status with that particular person. But uh, so, but beyond that, um, I think the tough part is how do you market to those people? How do you get in front of those people? How would you do that? So I found that the best place to get someone to be found by a customer is to try and be everywhere. So by having social media accounts such yeah. as Facebook and Instagram, because they're hanging a out somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. By having a website, um, by trying to get back 
so like articles, magazines, being in magazines, all of these things will add to your um, expertise and your credibility as an artist. So say if someone Googles pet portrait artists, you get various people coming up. And to be one of those right. people, you have to have good backlinks, good SEO, and actually be online. Mm-hmm. Lots mm-hmm. of people are trying to find customers, but they don't even have a website. So how right. is someone supposed to find you and find information about you mm-hmm. if you're not online? So yeah, a absolutely. that I'd say is to just be there and be where people can find you. So well, and you I'd did say, that. I mean, you yeah. you pursued. I mean, you were in cat magazines. You're the cat, uh, cat world. I mean, that yeah. that's more important than trying to market to other artists. Other artists are not your core market. Um, exactly. You know, if if you're a commission based portrait, uh, that is so a portrait yes. artist. Yeah. So if you're a pet portrait artist and yeah. you're trying to find customers, you know, especially with social media, don't start tagging artists. Don't right. start trying to um, use art hashtags or whatever. Use pet portrait related hashtags. Things that yeah. people are actually going to be searching. What are your customers looking for? And be there when they try and find it. Even with Facebook, um, I find there's a lot of pet and cat related groups. Be mm-hmm. part of the groups. Be part of the conversation. Engage with your customers. Actually mm-hmm. talk to them. I find it really helpful on social media when I post a picture of a cat and a cat person comments on it. I comment back. Mm-hmm. I go to their profile. I like you have their cat pictures you know actually make friends mm-hmm. with people be engaging don't just yeah. sit yeah, don't just sit and wait because the right. customers won't come to you you just have to put right. yourself out there and especially when it comes to the magazines so i learned a lot about how to do pr and it was literally this really simple case of here's a magazine find the editor's email address or mm-hmm. maybe there's a, an info email address or maybe they have a separate section on their website of where you can submit articles mm-hmm. or get in contact with <clears throat> literally contact them say this is who I am this is what I do would you be interested in featuring me in your magazine what um, a novel idea just, contact them it's, <laughs> yeah, it sounds so simple right but it's things that yeah. uh, often people you know artists just don't do or they go about it the wrong way um mm. nearly weekly i get an email that says something like this would be great if you could do this for me and if you could give me this and i could come on your show and i could i could be this kind of guest on the podcast and and uh i you know, most of the time they just get filtered. I don't even read the whole thing and they're and they're like a book long. And that's the other thing. Yeah. When you reach out to someone, make it short and sweet. Talk about what you can do for them, not what you're going to gain from that. The exactly. social media social media posts, Emma, I think is another great one. I'm glad you said that. When you're doing your hashtags, if you, all you're doing is all these hashtags for other artists. That's not going to help your commission-based career. Can we transition then and talk about – so there are different ways uh, to make money as an artist, and and you're talking about you know, in your book, um, Art is My Career. So, But you're you're really narrowing in on this one aspect of making money as an artist, and that is through commission-based portraits. I mean there are other 
means of you know making this work right so you could be a gallery artist um you could um, pursue a fine art career where you create your own work and you're expressing you know what you want to say and um build up clients based on uh, how much they know about you and your story and what you're creating out there right um you could be an art teacher that's what i do um you could um you could be a youtuber you know that's what kirsty partridge is um yeah. you know and uh or you could do the commission-based um business and oh, so what my question is this if it's not obvious why did you choose that um I, I felt like it was the easiest way to start making money from my work because you're yeah. guaranteed payment people pay up front and you draw a picture for them and then you give it to them yeah you so don't spend a year or so working on a body of work and then hopefully yeah. it will sell yeah you're providing a service so it's a right. really simple easy transaction and an easy way to start making money from drawing or whatever type of commission-based artwork yeah. you do. It could sure. be anything. And it's uh, fulfilling. It's so yeah. rewarding, isn't it? I, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? Another obvious question, I guess, maybe is, um, I am Captain Obvious, so just get, get ready for it. <laughs> um, so you you know how to do the PR piece and you know how to market toward your ideal customer avatar, the, your ideal client, right? Uh, Why did you write the book? You wrote the book for other artists. What what strategic, um, you know, move was this? I mean, what, why did you do this? Well, I as my career has developed, I get a lot of other artists asking me questions, business questions. Um, related to you know how did I start this how did I get customers you know how do I grow my Instagram and I just thought instead of re constantly replying to everyone why don't I just put all this information down in one place where people could find it and it started off as just a blog post I was just going to write a blog post really simple outlining the key points that people kept asking me um and then because I when I started writing it, it just developed much longer than a blog post. So I thought, okay, I'll do a short ebook. Right. Um, so it developed into an ebook. And then from that, I just thought, okay, hold on a minute. There's so much more that I know that I can tell people about. And I do really want to help other people do what they want to do. Cause I don't, yeah. I found it really difficult finding this information. And even yeah. when you ask, people they seem to be really secretive about it and I didn't like that there was this whole underlying I'm not going to tell you how I do stuff because then you could take my customers <laughs> oh do you think I that's it or that. are they just busy on their stuff you know I mean I don't know. it could be any reason yeah, um, yeah. but I feel that there wasn't there was nothing that told you exactly how to do something right and there was no person to tell you exactly how to do something so I felt this was a massive gap um, in the art market, basically, of someone telling you, you want to do this? Well, this is how you do it. Literally follow these steps and you'll yeah. get there. And I really wanted to be able to provide that because I've done the steps. I've been the proof of concept. I've come from, you know, not right. having 
any experience in art, in art. I've never done a degree in art. I've never sold yeah. any work before this. And I've literally started from having no art experience to building a business that sustains yeah. me and my family. Like it's my full-time income, awesome. the household income. And I'm really, really proud of that. Yeah, so you I just be. wanted to, thank you. So I just wanted to show people exactly how to do it. That is and so, that is so cool. I, I love Thank that. You. I just cut you off there at that last sentence. Sorry. Every time I talk, there's about a second or two delay and then it cuts right into whatever you say. So just so that we're aware of it. So I'm so sorry. Uh, I love that. Uh, first off, I mean, that that's, that's great. It, it, you went beyond proof of concept and it's, you know, and I, I love that idea, but I mean, you, you've really borne this out into uh, something that is a path forward for anyone who is willing to listen. And, and I love the book. I mean, you, you've got, uh, it's written in such a logical, linear fashion. It's a quick read, guys. I mean, uh, a little less than 200 pages. Um, how to decide what you want. Is this right for you? Planning your business. I'm just highlighting some of the chapters, customer interaction, your website. I mean, it's very tactical it's pragmatic in uh, its approach to certain things but it's high level enough to where you understand how all of this fits together all the parts are fitting together and I, I love that I think it's done really really well is there is this a transition then for you are you are you are you moving again are you switching your business no. <laughs> a little bit no, no I love doing my commissions it's okay. it's really filling so I'm not going to stop that um okay. I just needed I needed to just express myself I suppose in a different mm -hmm. way and you know as you said it's really logically laid out and I think that's yeah. my sort of engineering brain coming through oh I um, love it that's something that appeals to me and I've yeah. color coordinated each chapter because that's and how I, I love used to that too. Yeah, that's how I used to revise, like for my engineering <laughs> exams. Like I'd literally highlight and color coordinate everything, oh, and because I'd remember it by color, and I'd think, oh yeah, that was the purple section, and that's what it said. So I'd sort mm -hmm. of like help myself remember things by color. Um, mm -hmm. So I really wanted to bring that through. So yes, it's an art book for artists, but it's also a really logically way a logical way of thinking about yeah. art and a logical way of thinking about business and creating your own business. So yeah, I just absolutely. wanted to simplify it as much as possible, but also including all the information you need without being too overwhelming. I was worried right. that some sections would be overwhelming, like the PR section. Um, mm -hmm. It might throw people a bit because there's a lot of content and there's a lot of diagrams and things in there talking about how to structure things and how to do research and it can be very in-depth because each of these chapters is literally like you could hire someone to do it for you right each right could be um its own job mm -hmm. so i really wanted to try and take all the aspects of pr and all the main points from it and condense it as much as possible. It was actually quite a long chapter. I had to cut some bits out because mm -hmm. I thought, oh, maybe it could be better in another book. <laughs> well, um, yeah, and a lot of these topics can be separate uh, books yeah. and should be, I guess, in some ways. And I think that's something exactly. that 
often uh, a, a newer artist, someone who wants to create a commission-based art career, uh, they don't they don't understand at the beginning how much time is involved with um, some of the PR and some of the the marketing. Um, and and any big name that you think of, um, you know, if you're listening today and you're thinking of someone who it seems like they're everywhere and seems like they're just doing all the things and they're able to uh, just do everything so well and they're doing it as a solo person. Um, <laughs> rethink that because I don't know what what you think about this, Sima, but most of the time when you pull back the curtain, I know for a fact most of them have help. Most of them have employees. Uh, they may yeah. be 1099, but they're, most of them are they've, – they've got help and uh, usually more than one person. And there's just hardly any way of doing this as a solo operation unless you have some help. And then that's a whole different level of management and understanding how to coordinate and work with others. Um, but anyway, the, I, what's the next book? I was thinking it could be called Marketing for Creatives. <laughs> awesome, awesome. What, so, so what about the people, about though, that, that bristle? Oh, go ahead. I cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, so it's more about the marketing side, like more in depth. Like, so you've built, uh, you've got lots of email subscribers. What do you do with them yeah. now? Got all these social media followers. What do you do with them now? It's more like the next step from this book. Yeah. And I, and I don't want to really um, bog the interview down too much with getting into marketing. That could be a whole separate uh, show, uh, obviously. But just a quick word then about email marketing. I really feel like that one of the biggest problems that I see with someone who is wanting to start uh, a commission-based career is that they they don't want to take the time to learn the marketing piece of it. Like they they may maybe don't know how to build a website, but they don't want to learn how to do it. And so they'll put up a one page website that looks like it was, you know, built 20 years ago. Um, and, and I'm not insulting anyone. I'm just saying that these are some of the things that, that hang artists up um, or they don't start an email list. They don't have an audience that they regularly talk to and speak with and nurture. Well, that was the point of my book and putting all yeah. the information in one place because it's not just about because I don't talk anything about techniques or art related oh, things. Right. It's all about the business side. Like if, yes. if you actually want to make money from your work, business comes into it. You can't just stand on the other side of the street and hold up your picture and be like, can you buy this? Like, yes, that's yeah. selling and marketing. But if you want to be bigger than that and you actually want it to be your income because a lot of people I've spoken to and that have bought my book want it to replace their income and this is how yeah. by doing every part to the best of your ability like there are so many different mm -hmm. sections of a business like you said website and social media and PR and my chapter getting organized um, talks about how you sort of organize your time realistically yeah. to what you can achieve so i talk about having I little goals your daily goals your weekly yeah. goals your monthly goals even yearly goals yeah. to making sure that you're on track because you're your own boss you're the manager if you're lacking somewhere it's going to start suffering so if you stop yes. posting on social media 
those people following you are going to stop following you. You're not going to gain new followers. It's just going to become stagnant. Um, That's the good news and the bad news. Yeah. That you're your own boss, you know. Exactly. So it's it's good that you're in control, but it's also bad um, because you still have to do everything. So having goals and having organizing your time effectively is the main way to go with that. And I think that's what people uh, can be scared of, which is why I wanted to talk about it quite a lot in my book. And even with the downloadable spreadsheets that come with Mm -hmm. my book, I have your uh, commission spreadsheet where you can have all the details Um, and just really plan it out make sure you have all the information that you need to do it and then you won't feel like you're lacking and it will also boost your confidence if you've got all the information there if you can just like oh yeah I forgot how to do that you look at the book oh yeah that's how you do it you know you're already feeling pumped and ready and motivated well that's being modest I mean you you're guys you've got to check this out if you buy the uh, the book the the PDF uh, you get a package like you had alluded to and you really do have all the parts I mean you you include that commission-based um, spreadsheet I mean there and there's so many more things in there you get this package from Sima and I think it's uh, you've given you've given so much really and and it's all there. Um, and I, I love that. I, I tell you what, if you had come to me, not that anyone would ever come to me for this, but if, if someone had come to me and said, Hey, I want to write a book on how to become a pet commission artist. And I'm going to do it in under 200 pages. I would say that that cannot be done, you know, but you really did that. And you created this package, uh, this, uh, zipped up package that you download. So, I mean, it's a great, great value. Uh, I would highly, highly recommend it. Uh, only because I read it and I purchased it. And I think it's, I think it's awesome. Um, but anyway, I cut you off. I just got all excited about that because it's, it's more than motivation. This is tactical stuff that yeah. it trips people up. So often I see this, that they're, they're thinking, and this is the, the wrong belief, but you hear this all the time. I hear it all the time is if I can just, if I can get to this skill level, if I can just level up in this particular area, if I can get my skill level to this, or if I can be faster at this, or if I can, you know, and I'm talking about the artistic side of it, learning the techniques and all of that. And they think that will translate into a successful art career and it will not. It's nearly the opposite thing that you should be focusing on. And I know that runs counter to what many believe. So in terms of the book and the package, so yeah. the book is available as an ebook, but it's also available as a physical copy um, that ships mm-hmm. worldwide. And when you receive the book, so the ebook is um, a PDF format and an EPUB format, so you can also read it on your Kindle. Right. Um, and both books come with the six downloadable documents. So there's a social media checklist to help you stay on track is like a daily, weekly, and monthly checklist to make sure that you're doing everything all the time and being really consistent because it's it's so important to keep social media consistent if you're trying to grow and develop your business. Um, I also have a email draft for um, pitching to journalists, so what you would actually say in an email, and it's about being really concise and to the point 
because as you said before you don't want um a really long email the journalist isn't going to read through it they're not going to finish right. it they just need to know who are you what are you doing and what do you want <laughs> right, right and that's right um, there in the book guys i mean she lays out the email yeah. pitch right there inside the book so valuable stuff right there i love that so that's also a downloadable document and then also mm -hmm. my pr strategy excel spreadsheet which is quite a big spreadsheet and it helps you to lay out um, all of your PR ideas. So what articles are you thinking of writing? Any ideas? Who have you contacted? What have they said? So it's a way of keeping an eye on the PR side of your business and helping you grow it in that way and keeping track of everything that you're doing, as well as the commission spreadsheet, which is where you would input all of your um, commission customers or their information it's also really important to record the specifications of the commission because you can always refer to the spreadsheet or oh, how big was that size that they commissioned or what was the name of that pet or um, you know it, it's not right. even about pet portraits specifically this could be any type of creative commission business right. so I've kept it very broad because um, it's just the commission transaction, really. And it also comes with um, your expenses spreadsheet as well, because it's important to keep your business legal. You have to register it. You have to pay taxes on everything you earn. So I've got all of your expenses spreadsheet in there as well. So when it comes to the end of the financial year, you, it's all there ready to submit to the tax man, basically. Mm -hmm. um, trying to keep everybody organized i use right. it myself it's all based off my stuff that i have so i've thought about so what do i do in this section what do i do in this section and i've made that into a template for other people to use so you know people can change it um, modify it use something different it's just what i've been using and what's worked for me but it's not necessarily right for everyone that's um, awesome Love that. A branding gu guidelines template I found really useful. So mm -hmm. when you're thinking about branding, uh, mm -hmm. the design of your brand, the design of your business, you need to make sure that your colors are consistent, mm -hmm. your font consistent, any pictures or filters you use are consistent. And this all goes into this branding guidelines template because you want to seem professional and you want to seem like this, this business as a whole is it goes together so if someone sees your Facebook page all of the pictures and the colors you've used are consistent with your website if they receive a business card the business card colors and fonts are all consistent mm -hmm. with your website it all feels like the same brand and it's the same person mm -hmm. found in place so I've got that template um so people can just keep track of everything they're doing because it can be quite difficult oh, uh, yeah. thinking what font did I use for that or what size was that or what's my color hashtag for that so I really just wanted to help people keep everything in one place to be organized and being organized really boosts confidence as well so I wanted to give artists the confidence you know and the feeling of yes they can do this because they've got everything ready they've got their business ready they've got their yeah. branding ready they know what they're doing with social media and they know what they're doing with customer acquisition and they can just get started. And that, that was could the, perfect, be, the package. Yeah, I love that. that that's, that's so great. It's a, a valuable resource and um, just great materials for reference also. But Sima, so 
to someone listening, uh, just starting that, that may sound overwhelming, right? And if you think about all the things, I mean, the finances, and, and you talk about that in depth, yes. And uh, the mission statement, your business plan, all of these things, I mean, all of these things in and of themselves are important, but they also take a lot of time. Someone just starting out, let's let's talk about very quickly, what is a path forward to start earning money? How, how should they start? Should they spend a year preparing their brand and their font? and uh, getting their logo together and their finances? Or how do you recommend someone just start out with one foot in front of the other and with building blocks work on this as they progress in their their endeavor? I guess, I'd, get, I'd say start with customer acquisition. Like mm -hmm. nothing else matters unless you have someone paying for your work. Mm-hmm building the best brand and having the best artwork if no one can find you and no one and you haven't spoken to anyone yeah. so the thing the most important one to start with is customer acquisition get some social media platforms mm -hmm. on get a website up and these develop over time like I'm yeah they don't have to be perfect right at the beginning yeah I'm constantly editing my website I'm constantly yeah. editing my social media um bios and things like that it's a living your business is a living organism. It's right. constantly developing. It's constantly getting better. There is no, it's the best it's going to be. I can start my business now. It's not like that at all. It right. develops as you develop and as you get more customers. So literally just start. Start taking commissions. Enter them in your spreadsheet. Making sure you've got all the information from that customer. Where are you shipping it? Um, what are the what are you shipping what have they paid for when did they pay just make sure you've got all this information so if there's any uh, problems or if the customer comes to you and said you know you said that you were doing this for me but you know I haven't received it you can go back and say okay but I've you know you've you've made a note about talking to that customer mm -hmm. you've made a note of when they paid so you know exactly when they should have received it and just yeah, having this organized. information yeah, yeah being organized because if you if you have bad customer feedback it's going mm -hmm. to reflect your business mm -hmm. no matter what stage your business is at if a customer is unhappy with your work or you've forgotten about them because you haven't been organized and you've forgotten that they've paid for something and you haven't delivered it's very bad and it reflects badly mm -hmm. on you and you find it I think you will find it harder to develop past that because right. word of mouth can be quite damaging. Like oh, a lot yeah. of my customers, repeating customers. Um, mm -hmm. So they've been happy the first time they were a new customer. They're happy with what they received. They've referred me to other friends and family and they've also bought another one. Yeah. Um, I've got one. I've got about four customers actually that have been with me from the start from three years ago. So they they and they're happy with me upping my prices because mm -hmm. they know the quality is better, the service is getting better, mm -hmm. everything is improving. So they're loyal to me. I'm their pet portrait artist because they like my style and my work, and they they don't mind that my my prices have increased. I also offer like paying monthly instalment things like mm -hmm. that. Anything to help people pay because obviously because um, now that I charge a lot. I don't want people to be put off that they can't pay that much up right, front. Right. So I always like give, you know, 
um, help in terms of letting them pay monthly, but I would still retain the full amount before I start the piece to make sure that I'm still being paid for my time and my effort and my work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really important. I know that a lot of customers have said, you know, pay 50 50 uh, percent deposit. They draw the piece. The customer doesn't want it anymore. Um, and then, mm-hmm. you know, they haven't been paid for their work. So I think it's really important to make sure that you're actually paid for your work um, and to make sure that you're you're providing the best service you can to your customers so they're happy because once they're happy, then you can start growing. You take full payment and then it's non-refundable. Is that what you're saying? It's refundable for the first seven days. I got you. If they're paying in installments and they've decided to cancel whatever they've paid so far is non-refundable. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, I've never had to refund anyone before. Mm-hmm. Like it's been years, and my customers are really happy. I've right. had only one instance where they sort of panicked and they were like, "Oh, I don't want it anymore. I can't find a good picture." can I just cancel? And it's already been six months after they paid. So yeah. I was like, well, well, no, because it's been six months. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you're having trouble with pictures, just send me a load and we'll discuss it and we'll talk about it. And she was right. really happy after. That. So it's more about if someone asks you for a refund, just ask them why, uh-huh. you know, don't panic and don't, you know, don't get, don't get exactly. It's communication. Yeah. Like don't get offended. Just ask right. them why maybe something's going on. Um, or maybe they just they're just having a lack of information from you. It could mm-hmm. be anything. So mm-hmm. just communicate with that person and you know, respect them and listen to them, listen to right. what they're saying, and then you can resolve the situation. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, you do have to have all the plates spinning in the air, but um you sometimes you're focusing on one plate. Uh, more than another. And uh, I, I love that, that we had that discussion where you're talking about doing the work, you know, tactically you can get around uh, maybe not being as organized with your, let's say mission statement or something, but work on it when you can, you know, work on all these other plates. Um, you, you, the speed of implementation needs to be there or else your business will die. And if there's any cracks in your armor, uh, at some point, it could be a death nail to you. Uh, so I'll just yeah. mix up all my metaphors here. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but the point is is still true that you have to work on all these things, but they don't all have to be done today. Um, yes. So I love and that. In terms of my um, organization schedule, like yeah. uh, I have a little example in the book. Like I only do PR, say, every month. I do yeah. go through my of journalists or magazines that I want to be in and I send them some sort of press release mm-hmm. only every month I don't do mm-hmm. that every day because right. I don't have new content every day but well, maybe every month or, exactly. that would take up a lot of time yeah uh, it does I love take that a lot of, a lot of time. so it's more about realistically planning what can you right. achieve because when I first started I was doing my PhD at the same time so it's more about what can I achieve while doing a part-time job Mm-hmm. So you have to think about your evenings, you have to think about your weekends and plan it realistically for you. And it is possible because I managed to get to the point where my business was just taking over. So I quit my PhD and went full time. So up until that point, I was doing my PhD for 
six months. Um, so I was able to balance the two for six months, but it was quite difficult. But I decided to quit and I was ready to quit just because I had a long list of commissions. Um, I was sort of I had enough money for maybe one month <laughs> of rent. And I thought, you yeah. know, I'm going to I'm going to go for it because mm-hmm. if not now. When? Yeah. Um, but you also saw that there was a financial path forward as well. Yeah. Sounds like. It was definitely scary. Like, yeah. I'm not saying it, it well, gets it always easier. Is. Yeah. Lots of things business that are new and that are scary and you don't feel confident in because you've never done before like you're always going to feel like that but if you let that stopping you from trying then you're not going to get anywhere you have to think okay I'm scared of it but I'm going to do it anyway well uh, a um, a non-steady paycheck I mean your seasonal economy I think you talk about it like that I mean there's there's all these other things that you have to uh, think about and plan for and that can be very scary uh, yeah. you don't get this big benefits package like you do when uh, you're working and protected by a corporation you are uh, the corporation and you're having to think about all the things and it's a different mindset. Uh, and your weak, your weakest spot in your personality, in whatever preparation you you've made, um, it can take you down if you're not careful and if you don't think about. I mean, you don't know a lot of things until you start doing uh, something and you start moving and you know in motion you can start realizing what needs to be done. So awesome! I well, I love that. I think that actually running your own business doesn't sound as scary as it sounds. It's not as scary as it sounds. It's fun. And it's rewarding too. Really rewarding, really fulfilling. Um, And I think if people want to try it, they just should. Yeah. And the only, like a lot of people feel maybe I'm not good enough or maybe I won't get enough money. But you're not going to know unless you try it. You're not going to know. And you can always go you. and get a job if you don't like it. After you're done, uh, go get a job. You're to quit, but I wouldn't because I love <laughs> it too much. So. Right, right. If if you're if you don't want to work, you know, a whole lot, <laughs> and you'd rather have a job and just work eight to ten hours, then go do that. <laughs> if you'd that's rather work all the time and uh, do yeah. something that's fulfilling, uh, then then run your own business. Um, the nice thing is when you do run your own business, you do have flexibility and that, that's, that's a really, um, that's a really great benefit to uh, owning your own business. So awesome. Awesome. This has been a great, great discussion. I love this. Uh, I'm sure that I've left things out that I thought I should have asked you, um, about what, Anything come to your mind, Sema, that you think we should cover very quickly before we go? Um, I guess get my book and <laughs> try it out for yourself, really. <laughs> yeah, no, that, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah if, I, if I didn't say that, yeah. Um, this, this it's is, available uh, on my website. Say that again. My book is available on my website. Yeah, and if you're out for a jog or you're drawing, you don't want to look up or whatever, um, we take all the notes for you if you want to go over there and just uh, click on the link. It'll uh, direct you right over to Sima Martin's website, and it's very easy to purchase the book over there. Just go to sharpenedartist.com slash podcast, 
and y- your website is extremely simple, so um, I don't think it's something you guys can't remember. Um, just go to semamartin.com. So awesome. And that's how uh, you one more thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um when you buy my book, you also get access to an exclusive Facebook community group, which oh, you can wow. join. So at the moment there's 78 members. Everyone's been joining it, which is really great. And we all talk business. So all the business oh, side cool. you need help with. Um, you know, someone posted the other day, they've just finished their website, they wanted feedback. So then we're all looking at it and commenting and helping them. Um, I also do weekly challenges to keep people motivated and keep people on top of their work and on top of their business, because this is quite a solitary career. As an artist, it's solitary anyway. And then when you're running a business, it's quite solitary. So I wanted there to be a place where everyone that's like minded can interact and help each other and bounce ideas um, and just really create an environment where it's a safe to talk about these things because it's because I don't have many friends to talk business to Um, my husband has his own business as well so that's really useful we bounce ideas off each other um, but other people won't have that so I really wanted to create an environment where other artists can do that so that's so cool (laughs) <laughs> that's so cool. So that that's that's nice. A, a nice small intimate group. So no fear yeah. there. I, I love that. That's really cool. So I'm just curious, what what uh, business does your uh, husband do? What kind of career uh, uh, is he in? Between businesses right now, he's done quite a few. So okay. <laughs> he's always chopping and changing. Um, ah, gotcha. he's sort of like hospitality, but also does antiques. Oh, um, okay. He used to have. Uh, a mother baby business before and then he was in the um healthcare. so he does so many different things because he has a lot of different passions so yeah. that can be difficult when trying to figure out a specific business but he just does everything so oh very it's cool really to have him on side <laughs> that that was one thing one thing that i did want to ask you what, who have your mentors been what who is it that you uh, do you have a coach or do you look up to or you've been mentored from afar or Anything like that? Like, no? Okay, just curious about that. I've learned myself and on various online courses because Udemy is a great online course resource. So anything to do with marketing and PR and even learning how to use Photoshop, I've learned from there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then learning from my husband as well because he started his own businesses. he, He helped me basically think about the business plan and things like that because I wasn't taught that um he's doing his degree in it so he's he's up to date with all that kind of thing but I haven't actually been coached by anyone everything I've learned I've learned on the job which is why it's so authentic and why my book is so like real because it's all related to actually doing the work yeah being in the trenches doing it Nothing can replace that. The experience of just doing something. I love it. Awesome. Well, Sema, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for taking time out and talking to us about the motivations behind the book, discussing everything contained in the book. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Guys, go over to the show notes. If you've missed anything over there, you can uh, pick it up and uh, click on the link. To get over to uh, Sima's website, purchase the book, 
let me know what you think. Comment in the show notes. I would love to hear your thoughts and um, what you've thought about the the interview. And, um, you know, if you haven't left a review or rating for the podcast in a while, uh, you can always do that. The show has changed quite a bit, as you probably know. Uh, so I would appreciate that. You can do that on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you listen to the show. And uh, I'm going to be having a uh, Q&A show coming up here soon. If you go over to sharpenedartist.com slash podcast, over on the right side, there's a little pop-out where you can record just a voice memo and send it over to me. If you want to be featured on the show, I'll play that recording and then answer your question. So I'm really looking forward to that. That should be a lot of fun. Guys, as always, uh, thanks for listening. This is a video podcast as well uh, to those that are in the member circle over there in Monthly Sharpener. This is a weekly show that uh, comes out on Monday at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'll talk to you again next week.